Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Albon Clement, Andy, that was the one. That's the best grocery store wine going right now in the Pinot section. Um, the, uh, we don't really have grocery store booze here. Oh, really? Wisconsin, that's big in Wisconsin. But yeah, here, like, every grocery store has, like, a liquor store that's affiliated with it right next to it. They don't have, like, the, you know, the the aisle of wine at mm. the grocery store. They have it in okay. a separate building right next to it, which is just, like, well, build yeah, that extra wall. Is, but I, I know what you're saying. widely available. Uh, there's, like, a... a I would I would uh, shoot for the Santa Barbara County and not the Oregon uh, version if they have both air on the side of Santa Barbara. In general, any Santa Barbara Pinot is going to be really good this time of year. Um, as we transition from clear liquor season into the fall, uh, as we are winding down with know, our I'm, previews. I'm so fucking stocked. I'm so stocked on the, the brown stuff too. Oh, I'm excited for it to buddy. be a little colder. Oh, maybe that's our call out to as we hit these the last of the previews we hit the west coast here maybe that's our call out to the listeners is uh if you guys have any really good mixed drinks you like to make with bourbon rye i even irish anything anything uh, yeah yeah hit us up because it's basically that i'll make some boulevardiers i'll make some smashes i don't really care for a julep so they're, they're play, it's played out. If I'm going to make a julep, I'd rather just have a smash yeah. with more lemon in it. Woodford Spire. And it's, and it's yeah, and I, I make an old-fashioned, those two, and that's about it. Otherwise, it's just uh, I make this recipe called I put an ice cube in it and drink it. So <laughs> hit, us, hit us up if you have any recipes. You're like Michael Douglas. You're, yeah, you're like Michael Douglas in Basic Instinct. You're just like, give me the double blackjack on the rocks. Uh, that's all Sometimes I need. That's all you need. But uh, yeah, we are going to, this is going to be a depressing episode. This is like, I looked at this and I, I caught myself doing the, God, do you know how there's the Wilhelm scream? Eh. Yeah, a, of course. The um, art. This is the, this is the DeSantis smile. Like I did the, <laughs> I can't even do it. I don't think people can do it. It's such, a, <laughs> such an uncomfortable meme, and I've watched the video a trillion times. But yeah, this is a a deeply depressing duo of teams to talk about. It's wild because two years ago, the Cardinals were a team in the playoffs, and they did. I think they actually lost to the Rams in that. Yeah, it was a, the first ever Monday Night Football playoff game. Oh yeah, 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 and we had yeah. That Cardinals won like eleven games that year. They were good. Uh, you know, there were some there's some things they needed to clean up, and I guess we could have seen some of the writing on the wall. And a lot of people did as they went out of their way. I feel like there's some people that really were climbing over each other to, to fade on the Cardinals heading into last season. That went swimmingly. A lot of injuries helped that along, but the off season, like once I start diving into these, and again, I always say this, but it's like man. How much shit I forgot that happened to this team. This was a really weird offseason between everything because, like, I just, you know, I, I start writing what I remember and I wrote Kyler, Kyler and Kime let go. But Kime actually took some leave of absence and then just, yeah, it was like, hey, hey, I'm, 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 or not Kyler, excuse me, Cliff and Kime let go. Kyler was, Kyler's, uh, ligaments let go of his bones yeah, that's what yeah. i am <laughs> yeah that's right but yeah it started with that that super long uh you know like iphone notes diet thing from kyler's agent when he wasn't getting his his deal and then we had the deal and then twitter had a heyday with the homework clause forever mm-hmm. yep and i mean yeah. that was a lot more and then d-hop suspended yeah. going into the season for yeah. the drugs you had a player that was uh you lost a player a player lost his life gladney was killed i think it was a car accident uh you wouldn't acquired marquise brown which was uh didn't i mean it was like hey if he didn't have the drop seeds he's pretty good he finds himself wide open he might be a deep threat at work they get you know it was camp before they got the deal done and obviously it kind of was downhill, but the, my biggest note, my biggest thing that I really, really forgot was they were still sitting at three and four 
with Hopkins back, they weren't dead. This wasn't a team that was like, oh, that you know, just just DOA off the bat. Like it did take some injuries and some some kind of attrition on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball to really put the kind of uh, I don't know the last few stitches on the you're fired cross stitch for uh, Cliff Kingsbury, but. Everything I've read, everything I kind of took in regarding his offense over the past few years was just like, hey, it was really, really unique. And then nothing changed for like three years. And he was really – there should be a word for this. I guess it is predictable is the word for it. But, I mean, other coaches basically yeah. said – He got soft. Like, oh, he, he used all these crazy formations. Yeah. But then he still, in the end, it's like he still did the same things over and over. It doesn't matter how you line them up. If you're always doing the same thing with the same players, like your offense isn't going to be good in this league because you become predictable. And he was off to Phuket. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah. Kingsbury got solved. Kime populated a roster that ha- that was like very unbalanced. Um they swung away on some draft picks at some non-premium positions and missed. Um, uh, the um, the the general vibe around 2022 Cardinals was weird. I agree. There was a lot of people who were out on this team. Even still, they were 35 to one to win the Super Bowl. Their win total was eight and a half, so they were yeah. expected to be league average. Uh, needless to say, they finished four and thirteen. Did not make that win total. Um, all unders cash. Um, eight and home losses is eight home the, losses. Wow, the jarring part. I think they went one and eight at home. Oof. Um, another what was it? Oh, the, these right. four different. It was it was all the little things that contribute to a bad season. It's like, hey, our play calling isn't right. Hey, our defense is turning into stars and scrubs, and all the youth, like kind of what the Raiders had for years. All this youth we drafted isn't quite working out. I think mm-hmm. some of that was coaching's fault and trying to uh, position this football doesn't work if you don't pick a position eventually here. And then, I mean, even on special teams, they use four different kickers and just all the little things kind of just the, the incremental gains of negativity that can happen to a football team. And then the big one, obviously the non-contact injury three quarters of the way through the season for your quarterback. Mm -hmm. That's a true death knell. And it was Mm -hmm. blah and McCoy and, Trace McSorley, even I think all three of those played throughout the last five, six, seven games. And yep. obviously that's not going to get it done. The offensive line missed a bunch of time here and there. That didn't yep. help anything. And uh if you remember back to a really good point that I hadn't put in any of my team notes, and it popped up again this week. Uh, you brought up for the commanders as far as the, hey, remember when they took that survey and everyone, all the players oh, yeah, were like, yeah, yeah. hey, this is the worst place to be. Uh, <laughs> guess who finished second <laughs> to the commanders? And it was it was the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Football Outsiders had several mentions of that, mm. making light of J.J. Uh, Watt having to pay for fountain drinks or whatever. Yeah. J.J. Um, Watt is uh, no longer on the squad. Um, okay. So couple other thoughts on 2022 uh, lost season uh, in every sense of the word, although clean, you know, uh, I guess credit to them because they gave Kime money preseason. They gave Kingsbury money preseason. They gave Murray money preseason. Yeah, those I guess guys credit were extended to, them, to 2027. Yeah, <laughs> credit to them for being like, well, our bad, you're gone. Uh, did not necessarily think that was coming, but, but it was the right call. Um, they ended up only being favored in three games over the balance of the season, despite the um, you know the expectation of being around 500. Um, they were favored week six against the uh, at the Seahawks, favored week seven home versus New Orleans, their only home win, by the way, um, and then uh, favored week nine uh, hosting the Seahawks. Um, Every other game of the season, they were dogs. Uh, they had a little bit of a tough start to the season with, uh, you know, games against Kansas City where they were heavily bet against and were not competitive. Um, the Rams took them to, to, to town before the Rams fell apart uh, as a roster. Philadelphia uh, eked out a win, but uh, they got a cover um, in the desert. And, uh, you know, it's it. I, I didn't really have much action one way or the other on or against the Cardinals really all season because I thought, pricing you know was kind of like the market was kind of onto them right you know what i mean like there just wasn't a lot of bets to be made against them uh as dogs a bunch of weeks and the only time i really had a a note in uh why did i do this was i backed them pretty heavily week eight at minnesota 
they were catching three and a half, three and a half points. And I was like, Minnesota's three and a half points better than an average team. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll take those three and a half. Um, and, uh, Minnesota covered. So I was mad at myself and I think I basically was completely out on, uh, uh Arizona after that. In fact, I went hard on Seattle the next week, which, uh, uh, got, got that money back. But, um, yeah, after beating the Rams week 10, it was just L L L L L. Um, a couple of them were, should have been wins <laughs> week 15 Tampa Bay. Remember that one? It's Christmas day, Christmas Eve, Christmas, Eve, um, Christmas day. It's yeah. You know, you know what? Uh, I don't appreciate Goodell. Um, don't give me a standalone Christmas day game between Tampa Bay and Arizona. Don't need it. Didn't need it. <laughs> that was awful. I mean, pre preseason, <laughs> it was still like two pretty good I, yeah, quarterbacks two, and yeah, two playoff yeah, teams that one, from last that one year. Yeah, it didn't age well as far as uh, scheduling that. Oof. Uh, that was a primetime Christmas Day game. Um, I think I ended up watching NBA um, because that was like that was that was literally like eye bleeding uh, bad football. Um, the uh, clean house were worthwhile. Um, the hires are interesting, and let's go right into off the off season. Is that cool? Yeah the the petsing. Uh, well, start start with Gannon. St- I think we gotta start I mean, with the GM, Monty. Oh yeah, let's start Monty with Monty for a Minnesota product, um, but cut from some of the cloths of some of the well known trees that I think, you know, you could definitely make a case like, Hey, this guy has been around some smart people in some smart front offices and it makes sense. And uh, some people instantly were, you know, critical of some moves of his. And obviously we're positive about the trade they made during the draft. The most trades are going to have to be a zero sum game as far as sentiment goes. And if we were that hard on, um, you know, the Texans, I suppose we have to be that positive about what Arizona was able to do with some of their draft capital. But um, I think it's going to be really hard to evaluate Monty Austin for it because he's left with, it's not just like bare cupboard. Like, Hey, you have Mm -hmm. a bare cupboard. He has a very, very strangely constructed roster. He's in a very weird position where they are in the quarterback cycle and where the skill position players are around him mm-hmm. and then what he's been left with for a defense, yeah. especially some of the youth with the defense. So I'm not going to second guess anything he does for about two years. I'm going to sure. look at it through a lens of, Hey, it's really hard to tell, you know, what the long-term plan is unless they come out and say, this is exactly why we did this. Sure. It's, it's going to be really hard to judge what he does until we get to like 2025. He's okay. been left with a, Kind of a messy kitchen, huh? I will say this. Uh, I thought it was a good hire in the moment. I was like, cool. This this, 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 this works. And I, I think, you know, early results, I would say, were positive from a roster, you know, and just self-evaluation standpoint. He's not like, let's go get six wins this year and be right in purgatory. He's literally like, uh, let's sell the number three pick for the highest cost. And in fact, he looked down the power ranking of franchises from 31 to 32 and said, I'm going to go pick Houston Texans pocket. <laughs> so congratulations, Monty Austin for it. Um, you know, realistically, uh, that sets them up well for a pretty quick turnaround rebuild. Uh, fascinated to see. I mean, the, really the most interesting question about the uh, Cardinals is what do they do with Kyler Murray? Do they get him back on the field this year? Is that does that serve them? Um, are they getting him back on the field to see what he's got? Because if there's a super high side, they want to keep him. Or if there's just a little upside, they want to sell him. <laughs> and if there's no upside, they want to get the heck out of this contract. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting to kind of see how they're treating him uh, in the offseason and what his uh, you know recovery ends up looking like. Um, I will say this, though. The other hire, Jonathan Gannon, uh, as your new head coach, um okay let's 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 uh, reflect I, I try on... i try to not be too okay. you know like it's hard to just take a guy and be like oh he's here's, gonna be a terrible football coach here's a, he's a here's what i want to do Andy. here's what i want to do let's look at the egg. let's look at the let's look at the rumors in january and february let's look at some of the interviews they did he was the worst choice of all of the guys they talked to. And I, I wonder, like, oh, except, too. Some... I mean, maybe Vance Joseph was would have been a worse choice. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's tough to say. I never love hiring, you know, a defensive-minded head coach to begin with. It really, Correct. it really, it really does. And I, I get, 
you know, I don't know. Like if you, you know, if you break up with a girl, maybe the next time you find a girlfriend, you look for somebody who's the opposite. So I get maybe they didn't want to go strict, nasty, weird offense because they got burnt with going a little too far on that spectrum. But sure. I still like I still like an offensive hire if I'm going head coach, especially yeah. if you, you know, you don't have a well-established OC, which we don't. It's, you know, I, I guess what we'll see, that's another, I think that's a Norv Turner tree, the, yeah. the OC there. And then he did bring, he brought a nice piece with, he brought the linebackers coach to uh, be his, you know, his defensive coordinator. He could do a lot worse than the linebacking core of the Philadelphia Eagles for the last couple of years. So yeah, sure. I'm going to put, I'm going to put my trust in these guys to make some right, right decisions on the defensive side of the ball maybe from a scheme and implementation point of view, it's just hard without all the pieces really. Yeah. Without elite players, um, you're in trouble. And then yeah. it just, I, I think really what comes down to is this isn't a team that's, you know, going to actively tank, but mm-hmm. the, it might look that way because of, you know, what, what they have as far as an offensive game plan going forward, especially, you know, with what they're going to roll out at quarterback for the first God knows mm-hmm. how many weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. it's – I don't think you can take a coach who's never had a head coaching job in the league and expect him to not try to win games. Like, this is – you know, sure. he, he might know this might not be my long-term solution, but I can't be this – you know, the guy who's one and done at head coach. I go, you know, God, who was who was our head coach for the, the Browns like three years ago? Kitchens? What? Freddie? No, Freddie? No. pre-Kitchens. Oh, God. Uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackson? Yeah. Hugh Jackson, you know, it's just like you have two or three years of just embarrassing. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, this is just not going to be somebody who gets interviews ever again. Like you, you, you have to win games. It's in your best interest. You know, um, it's, it's just like we always talk about with GMs. Like, hey, you should tank, but do you, you kind of want to buy yourself another year of getting paid one of the top salaries in the league. Sure. So I, I feel like also all signs have pointed to me to the, Kyler Murray comes and plays at some point this year. Of course. I agree. Which probably makes just a bigger mess of this because you have a new new coaching staff, new offense, and then you're going to switch horses mid, mid-season again with a guy coming off an injury behind kind of a who-knows-what offensive line. So it, it might be one of those where they're going to try not to tank. This is a team that's going to try to win games, but it's just going to be hard to actually achieve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here are some of the names that were kicked around, by the way, for head coaching hires. Um, Mike Kafka, uh, who would have been a great hire. Um, they kicked the tires on Sean Payton. Uh, they interviewed Shane Steichen, Demeco Ryans, uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Vance Joseph, Dan Quinn, um, Jero Evero. Uh, a lot of defensive coordinators. A lot of defensive coordinators, which I think goes to your point that they were like ready for something different in defense, I guess. But even still, like Ben Johnson, like they there was a lot of names kicked around who will ultimately, I think, be successful head coaches. Jonathan Gannon would surprise me. I'll be completely frank. Um, not saying it's not possible, but it will be a surprise if he is the guy. Um, that said, you know, Monty Austin Ford so far, like what he's doing in terms of just being, just acknowledging what he's got. <laughs> the um, the one kind of un- interesting wrinkle about the Kyler Murray and the, the Cardinals that I've been trying to kind of figure out, they made a big deal. All right, you know, Austin Ford, after trading down from 3 to 12, which was the best deal he was going to get, and probably the best deal anyone offered by a long shot because they get Texans number one next year on top of other stuff. Um after doing that, they traded back up to jump the Raiders so that they could get Paris Johnson uh, with, with the uh, sixth pick. I don't know that there was enough to distinguish who was truly OL1 in this year's draft. It certainly didn't seem like there was a consensus. It felt messy between you know? one, two, three, and four, honestly, at some points. And uh, and weirdly, like there was a strange Austin Fort, like Kyler Murray kumbaya moment around the draft where they went to Oklahoma for his like Jersey retirement. And it was like, you know, he's, you know, we're considering his feelings in the draft. He wants Paris Johnson. We want Paris. Johnson. Like all of that kind of was like, okay. Like, I mean, you need a better reason. I like, if it's just literally like you want to make sure you're solidifying your offensive line with the guy you think is the most likely blue chip. Okay. Fair enough. But it shouldn't be because, 
Kyler Murray wanted it. Um, and I mean, in the back of my head, I'm like, are they doing that because they just want an offensive lineman and it is Kyler Murray's preference and that'll get some, you know, inspire Murray to like try a little harder on rehab and to really kind of show up <laughs> this offseason and and show out when they put him on the field so that they can get something for him in terms of trade value. Like that's kind of my guess, but uh, I don't have any any real insight into what the plan is, but I think you nailed it, which is at some point this season we'll see Kyler Murray, and it's probably not going to be till Halloween or thereafter. True enough. Which um, means this team is going to take a number of L's early in the season because this roster is quite poor. Yeah, um, and then just kind of going into you know the rest of the – yeah, I'm, it sucks how much like we're we're out on Gannon already. Like, I feel like we're not giving him a proper chance. I'm, I just I don't know. Like I, just, I mean, like it's just hard. There's nothing he did as DC in Philadelphia that I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, like this guy's really putting something special together with yeah, a couple I mean, pieces that I didn't. That, think that's were good. where that's where it's like, tricky too. Is no. like who. Who is responsible for this? We we had yeah. this. It's funny that we had this exact same conversation about the exact same team like five years ago when when the band broke up in Philly for the most part. And we're like, hey, was Frank Reich part of this? Was uh, God, sure was the quarter the quarterbacks oh, yeah. coach there? Oh, there was like yeah, Philip Filippo. He went and, yeah. like hung out in Minnesota. There was like yeah. three or four guys were like, who was responsible for that Super Bowl run? Like, and you know, we have the same thing now. Like, was Steichen that big of a part of it? We'll find out. Maybe you know, he's got such yeah. a raw project. It's going to be tough to figure it out. Um, obviously, they took two of the coaches here and went uh, uh, between, like I said, the what was it, the linebackers coach that they hired from up, and then obviously uh, Jonathan Gannon, but. Drew Drew Petzig to the the OC, former, I guess. former quarterback coach from the Browns. Yeah, so he's he was with the Browns twice, I guess. Technically, the first was just like an intern thing. He got hired in under Zimmer's squad. He was like a wide receivers coach with Minnesota, and I think he just went with Stefanski. Mm-hmm. So he was like a, he was the Stefanski guy that went to Cleveland, ended up just staying there, mm-hmm. and then ended up ended up with his job after i believe yeah. he was quarterbacks coach and he, he's been you know just basically every kind of offensive position besides offensive coordinator at this point so i, I don't know him, i guess uh, if you want to if you want to take some take some things away from like how stefanski and them run things up there but again it's it's hard it's gonna be hard to evaluate with the roster they have mm-hmm. i would say petzing is uh, my 31st power rated oc Yeah, I mean, we just talked about Tim Kelly. I'm not a big Tim Kelly guy. <laughs> I, I put Tim Kelly 30th. Oh, Tim Kelly's uh, 30th for me. Uh, Pete Carmichael. Actually, how about Dave Ragone? Dave Ragone's he's in he's in the the, the mid 20s. He's a he's a known yeah. quantity. We run mid-20s. the ball. Um, and then real quick point about no, the you DC. you don't want to guess who's number 32. There's a lot of unknowns in the It's, it's hard ranks. because you have, you have some of these guys like but Dave there's one, But there's one known. He's uh, Dave Knauss, 28, 29, something like that. Uh, there's there's a lot of unknowns, and they kind of fill out 20 <laughs> to 31. <laughs> no, no. I think uh, Brian Schottenheimer. Honestly, Brian Schottenheimer, we haven't we didn't really talked about him when we did the Cowboys, no. but his scheme might actually be kind of ideal for the current this NFL? is this is what we're gonna and yeah. it's funny this is how little we want to fucking talk about <laughs> what we're talking about like hey you know it's it's gonna be interesting once we figure out how much is schottenheimer and how much is mccarthy um <laughs> mick mick lombardi mick lombardi's down in the low 20s as it's well it's not gonna be not, his offense you know no, Matt no, canada probably no canada's now canada I'm, I'm a canada guy now do you know the name of the offensive coordinator in green bay uh, I do. It's Adam Stenovich. Adam Stenovich. 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 Yeah. No, I, actually, I don't know. I, I'd be curious. No, we have Hackett. Yes. He is 32 with a bullet. Nothing that I've seen go. from him this preseason has changed my opinion. And it, in fact, he is. Uh, I do not understand how he has give, been given the keys to this offense. <laughs> I don't get it. The more I do, the more Broncos I watch from last season, just in passing, I'm just like, what the hell? Like, 
Um, it better be. I bet. It, it bet he better be there, just in name only. And this is Aaron Rodgers calling the offense because uh, he's thirty-two for me. But Petsing's number thirty-one because okay. don't I have the least information on him, and I don't think that with this with this uh, roster of uh, talent, he's going to have anything to really show us who, what he's made of. The uh, turnover on the roster for what it's worth. I had Hopkins as the second most uh, valuable uh, offensive player for the Cardinals last year, even in though he did not play uh, much, you know, he he didn't play a huge compliment of games. He was still their second most important player, I believe. Uh, He's gone, obviously. He is in Tennessee now. Um, I get why they didn't want to, you know, give him more money. That was a good decision by Austin Fort. Um, JJ Watt, I thought, was the most important defensive player for this team last year, and he is gone as well. that's not good. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is starting to get a little uh, spooky because this was not a good team and their most important players are not on the roster anymore. Um, uh-oh. Uh, I guess, actually, I, I take it back. I, I basically had co-defensive MVPs between J.J. Watt and Buda Baker. Well, Buda yeah, Baker if you remember in. earlier in the year, yeah. Buda Baker asked for a trade. They're starting, I mean, that, that's what basically everybody on Twitter started talking about once the Isaiah Simmons trade went through. It's like, Buda Baker needs to speak up again here and, yeah. and get out of this mess because it is, I mean, both teams, it's going to be like, hey, it's Buda Baker and a bunch of guys. Hey, it's Aaron <laughs> Donald and a bunch of guys. Um, yeah. last, last note on the coordinators, coaches, changes, Nick Rallis. I think it's Ray Rallis. I have to figure out how to say some of these uh, coordinators' names. Sure. Another another Minnesota connection, uh, not only from here, but did spend some time under, which I can't, like, hate on somebody who spent some time up in Minnesota and that part of, you know, that part of the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those were some good defenses in, you know, 2018, 2019. So maybe, you know, maybe he has something. But uh, fun fact, he is a brother of Riddick Moss of the WWE, who obviously you remember last February um, oh, in the yeah. fatal four-way, he uh, defeated Karrion Cross, Escobar, and Rey Mysterio. How could you become the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship? Yeah, how, how could you forget? I, know, I just love these Wikipedia rabbit holes that I get on, but it's like, hey, his brother's in WWE. It's just weird side notes on these but okay let's do two other roster, roster two, turnovers. yeah two two other roster comments um zach allen and marcus golden were both fine players i don't love that you're losing that defensive depth especially if you're bringing in a new defensive minded head coach um billy price gone i did not like billy price he is now in new orleans he's not addition by subtraction but he's not really that big of a subtraction um Everybody else was poorly rated. AJ Green did not have a good season. Byron Murphy didn't have a good season. Ben Neiman didn't have a good season. Chosen Anderson did not have a good season. Cody Ford, Max Garcia, Michael Dogby, Sean Harlow, Ronnie Hudson, Andy Lee, Justin Pugh, Tanner Vallejo, Chris Banjo, Rashad Coward, Trace McSorley, Nick Vigil, Jace Whitaker, Daryl Williams, all had stints with the Cardinals last year and are no longer on this roster. So it is a heavy, heavy turnover here. Um, Yeah, you're going with essentially you're going to head into the season because of the injury with backup quarterbacks at best mm -hmm. to the point where you actually just traded for a quarterback in Josh Dobbs who might be better than either of the either of the players you've been putting out there in camp so far this year. Dobbs yep. has kind of looked okay in camp and preseason. Your wide receiver room is rough, although Rondell Moore and Marquise Brown have done some things in yeah. the past that, you know, maybe if this offensive line were made up of some guys who don't love a rookie who, you know, reports of Paris Johnson have been good from camp. It's, you know, it's, he's looked good. It's, it's not uh, like oh shit. Yeah, the we, problem is listen, everybody. Else. We listen to Kyler and we fucked up. Like it, it, the the pub is good right now, but essentially, like on offense, it's like hey, James Conner's good. Like his guy can catch some balls. So I mean, they do have a tight end who can catch. They have a, a running back who obviously can catch a lot of balls. They can put okay. together an offense to not, you know, look just ridiculous at times. But Their additions. I don't see a way where this, I don't see a way where what they, you know, what they added to the defense 
and then obviously what they took away doesn't make it a who did they real add? big candidate their big swing on the defense was bringing in Kazir white and i guess if you're getting feedback from the linebackers coach who's your defensive coordinator and he's like white's more valuable than you realize oh okay i, I don't oh, see what, what, any what evidence was, of that oh. <laughs> white white it's hard to tell too because that that uh, unit was so good maybe you know maybe if you brought him with and he likes him a lot but i mean jj allen or jj allen jj watt had lost you know, a lot had gotten towards the hey, remember he had to have his heart like restarted too. Kind of glad That's he true. retired. I don't need any of that, but no. No, I like Byron Byron Murphy might have something left in the tank if he were on a better secondary. We'll find out. I, Minnesota, I think. Yeah. Isn't he gone? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, okay. They had some guys last year with something left the tank. It was still yeah, hard right. to tell at times. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, if if White if White turns out okay and Buda Baker's good, and then you know, they they are moving Zaven Collins up. Uh, again, moving positions. Mm-hmm. So, let's. Uh, I'm not. So, uh, I'm not hopeful based on what they added here. Okay, Carlos so then, Watkins. Like, what? What kind of what kind of number do you have on Carlos Watkins? Yeah, I, 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 incomplete. What position does he even play? Carlos he's Watkins. Like, he's like interior interior defensive line. Carlos Watt. Well, he's a so he's a second stringer. Uh, let me like, take a look here. I think he's gonna rotate in, man. Oh boy. Um, Watkins. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I've what well, I've meaningfully below replacement level for Watkins. Um, I I mean honestly, in the front six, their best. Zayvon Collins is the only guy who's above replacement in the front six. Buda Baker is the only guy who's, you know, more than just a sniff above replacement. Um, and uh, Jalen Thompson is replacement level. Everybody else that's going to be making snaps on this defense, I think, is pretty bad. Um, I guess the question I have for you is what happened with Isaiah Simmons? Why didn't it work? Do you think they sold low? Uh, why do you think they sold low? Do you get why a lot of the kind of immediate fan reaction was good riddance? I mean, like, he, okay, maybe was he some, wasn't was worth his real... draft capital, but what what happened? What, it's hard you, when you see explain like two it to clips. Me, please. It's hard when you see like two clips, and obviously I didn't spend a lot of time watching Arizona Cardinal clips this preseason so far. Mostly just uh, you know ones that could have yakety sacks behind them, but there was pretty low effort from Isaiah Simmons. I don't, really? I'm not so sure he wanted to be on this team. There was there was one in one of the preseason games or a scrimmage where it's just like this guy is. I don't know if he wants to be on this team or if he wants to play football right now. He does not look good. He was one of those weird ones where, hey, he's good in coverage, but he's also kind of a linebacker. But when we pass rushed with him, and obviously I'm talking like college, when you pass rushed with him, he was very effective too. And it became an issue of where does this guy play? He had talked to you know coaching staff preseason, said, I want to move from linebacker. I want to be coverage more. I want to be in safety. I want to be a safety. They were going to facilitate that and then i don't know if it was just how camp went and his effort level and his his growth there they got rid of him for basically a bag of balls i mean yeah. seventh round pick is not worth very much uh somebody had a really good tweet and i wish i could give him credit but they said this too it's like you know and we're, we're doing this with trey lance too like oh my god how could we just not start this guy he's he was a top three pick he was a top five pick this is wild it's like you know during covid talent evaluation took a huge hit like where people if you remember trey lance had to have a game in the spring just for him basically they had an extra game up at north dakota state just so he could throw the ball in live action ahead of the draft because he got his entire season canceled the year before. Right. You know, that right. we had so much trouble. And I love this tweet that because they brought up a bunch of good empirical examples of like, hey, talent evaluation sucked for a while. Yeah. And I think we saw that and saw and we saw it heavily with a couple teams. You saw, boy, hey, there's some top 10, top 20 picks that just they look really bad. So I think there's yeah. a case where maybe you know who's a, a full, you know a full who's, regiment of yeah. you know pro yeah. days and the combine and everything, and maybe some of these guys wouldn't have been top 10 picks. Yeah, you know who's pretty good at evaluating uh, defensive line talent, Andy? Uh, the that? San Francisco 49ers. You know who they drafted? Javon Kinlaw. Um, he has been a, a swing and a miss. Uh, you know who's pretty good at uh, um, you know evaluating um, – uh, wide receivers. Uh, well, Steelers. You know, no, I, I was the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, but but really, like you know, 
I was going to say the Eagles. They took uh, Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. <laughs> this is this is uh, kind of indicative of some of the mistakes that were made in the 2020 draft. Um, the uh, yeah, there were some bad ones. Patrick Queen going to Baltimore in round one was a swing and a, and a miss. Titans took Isaiah Wilson. Is he even in, in the uh, in football anymore? I think he's out. Um, no, and, and, and I mean these, these misses. Yeah, these misses happen. Even, you know, I'm I'm using coach as an excuse, yeah. but like. Corey Davis was a top five pick five years ago. He just retired. Sure. Like sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes yeah. it's just not a good marriage or, you know, obviously injuries can play into that too, but yeah. I hate that when they're like, Oh my God, like people, Dude. people are, you remember betting giant. that draft? I'm, I'm starting to hate giants fans, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> just they're, I think I, it sucks because I like what they're doing up there, but they're starting to make me feel bad because they were just like, you know, really drinking their own Kool-Aid, like, oh sure. my God, Shane. And I think Shane's a good GM, but like, oh my God, the fleecing seventh round pick for a top 10 pick. It's like <laughs> embarrassing. It's like, yeah, but he's yeah, he doesn't bad. have a position. He doesn't want to get guess what his draft <laughs> position is. It's a sunk cost for somebody else. It doesn't matter what that person, you know, like you go to a garage sale and buy something, it doesn't matter what that person paid for it five years ago. Yeah. It's what's it worth? What's it worth to you? What's it worth right now? So yeah. it's just silly to use that sort of. I mean, it's exciting if you're a fan. Like, oh shit, we got a, and and to be fair for them, like a seventh round pick for somebody who had that kind of grading going into the draft. Yeah, uh, obviously there's a lot of upside, and if not, you can just kind of cut the guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Even yeah, that 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 draft was wild though. You remember betting that draft? That was like the the highlight of draft betting because twenty twenty there was no other live sports going on, and that uh, that draft was so so fun to get get action on. Uh, the hottest name leading into the draft was cornerback C.J. Henderson. Jags took him in nine. He went. I think yeah. he was CB two after Jeff Okuda went to the Lions third <laughs> uh yeah both neither neither jeff okuda or cj anderson plays for the teams that drafted them <laughs> in the top 10 uh so isaiah simmons is joins uh a, a field of three defensive players from the top 10 of that draft who are no longer with their team well no was it the year before or the year after was i think the year after was saving collins david collins came the year after you yeah, it's just um, you know, possibly yeah. they just didn't have a good a good yep. uh, evaluator so, of defensive talent. So off season grade, A. You got rid of Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Geim, and you stole yeah. a draft pick in next year's top ten from the Texans. Uh, a. Honestly, like like the like, I, I I'm not even joking here. Like every I liked everything except for the um, Gannon? for the Gannon hire, everything like. Self-evaluating, looking at yourself and being like, oh, my God, we are a two-win team. Let's tack you know, into that. You know, who didn't <laughs> like, uh, you know who didn't like the Cannon hire? Who? Uh, our friend in Houston, Link. That's Why a Zelda that? joke. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, for the nerds out there. You know guys. who loved the Gannon hire, Andy? And it's probably coloring my, some of my opinion here. Every Philadelphia Eagles fan. Because <laughs> yeah. they're like, oh, there were, nice. there were people that were excited about getting rid That's of That's probably him. coloring some of my opinion. So I should I should literally wipe the slate clean with them and see what he actually does as a head coach mm. before. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm giving them a C off season, as in okay. I have to wait and see. If they win fewer <laughs> than four games, then I'm pretty happy with it. Okay, let's look at the schedule. Because, I, I mean, tell me which four. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess you got two games against uh, there, the Rams. I, I think there was a group Houston. that moved on the – the under the other day they're the, or they've had it in some accounts for a while it's one of those where you know every year there's a team with a low win total that surprises and i mean i don't even want to talk too much about the schedule because it's, well it's, i do it's, it's a it's a bunch of touch you know a bunch of touchdown dogs for for good reasons those are good teams but they do have travel advantages being a coastal team when they do get some of these teams. There's chances it wins. Like they can beat the Giants. You know, you you can beat some of these teams that have some nasty travel spots that aren't, you know, maybe five, six points better than you. That's where you can win some of these games. And obviously, you can win some games in the second part of the season. Atlanta, Houston, Rams really stick out. If Kyler Murray comes back, is engaged, wants to play well, show up the second half of the season, be you know, kind of have some momentum building for the 2024 year. There's wins in the schedule. Just uh 
you know, we we didn't paint a real nice picture of this this uh, roster. And I don't know. I feel like we're kind of in, you know painting a median picture of it. It could be worse than what we're seeing. You it know, definitely uh, could. It definitely could. Um, I don't know what what so, stuck out to you. Well, I mean, and the other the other thing that did stick out is the cold weather games late at Chicago. At it's a, it's a West Coast Southeast Southwestern Dome team, and you go to Pittsburgh late, you go to Chicago late, you go to Philly late. Um, Cleveland, I don't know. We'll see what it's like in November, but like East Coast early start games at cold weather towns, have fun with that. I guess. Yeah, I think I think uh, week ten to the end of the season, you basically have to put a line through all that because it's probably going to be Kyler Murray. We have we don't know, but it probably would be. In fact, if I, you know, I mean, I actually I don't see like a really soft defense that I really want to insert him. Honestly, there's only one bad defense on that schedule. It's not like bringing a rookie in. No, I know, but like, I don't want to put him. I don't want to put him out there with Miles Garrett chasing him down. I don't want to put him out there with T.J. Watt chasing him down. I don't want to Aaron Donald. Uh, I, you know, like what? Like, there's a lot of Atlanta at home. Atlanta at home. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't see an obvious where do we insert this guy. Um, the thing I want to I, I don't Google. know. Just push, yeah. push. It, it's not. It's not like hey, we're inserting a rookie. No, I know, like, but he's if he if he's a guy you paid up, you gave him a contract. I don't think there'll be any kid gloves of like, oh, we got to ease this. The day he's ready, back he's, against he's going like, out. He's, yeah, he's it, it, it's, okay. it's I, and the other side of that is you don't put him out there before he's ready because this isn't like, oh, shit, we just need to get Kyler back and then we're a Super Bowl contender. We're going to win so many games. You wait till he's absolutely ready to go, but then when he is, you get him in there right away and get him, get him, you know, acclimated to this new offense, this new coaching staff, this new, this new uh, team around him. So I don't. I guess I don't care where they start him. Just start him when he's ready. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm. I guess I'm trying to just predict a little, I suppose. Because yeah, I no, feel like, I, yeah. I've, I, I've read I, varying reports on. Okay. You know when he's going to be ready. Okay. So but yeah, kind of mid-season is where I'm. I'm figuring. So yeah, I'm I mean, assuming the, yeah, that, that Atlanta Houston stretch. Okay. I'm assuming he's back there. I guess. Okay. I, cause I, yeah, again, like I'm trying to like kind of think in the, in the mind, put myself in the mind of the franchise. What is, you know, how do they benefit from this? What do they get out of this? And, uh, you don't want to put him out there and you see him like running around like a chicken with his head cut off behind a media, you know, a, a miserable interior offensive line and, uh, and getting, you know, getting hit by, you know, especially good pass rushers. And, you know, you want to, you want him to look good. So he's a piece that you can, you know, so he's an asset. I mean, the only reason you start him this year is to make everyone in the NFL feel like this guy's an asset or to make what, your fans feel like this guy's an I had, asset. I had to go look at the date. I knew it was early December, so it was December 12th. What's nine months from there? You know, you're, you're saying like, well, shit, that's earlier in the season that I'm figuring. I don't think he's going to be ready until Halloween-ish, but that's just yeah. my opinion. I mean, so nine months is kind of a, a rule of thumb as far as like that's when a guy can be ready. Some guys it stretches out a little further than that. So, you know, somewhere, probably somewhere in the weeks, four to 12 range. Who knows? 12 takes you to almost a full year, though. So I'm probably somewhere in the weeks, four to eight range. He's coming back. Hmm. Okay. Um, so the the thing that I kind of look at the schedule is week one through four, because we do know who the quarterback is going to be. Oh wait, we don't, because they have not named a week one starter no, between so Colt McCoy and Clayton Tune. All right, Andy, as currently rostered, Josh Dobbs, as currently rostered, I do not have the Cardinals within six points of the Commanders. I do not have the Cardinals sniffing four points at home against the Giants. I do not think the Cardinals are going to be inside of a touchdown against the Cowboys. I do not think the Cardinals are going to be inside of double digits against the Niners. I have every realistic expectation that with the defensive lines that these four teams are bringing to those contests, that the Arizona Cardinals may score somewhere in the ballpark of two or three offensive touchdowns in the first four weeks of the season. Like That's how bad this is. Those defensive lines, Washington, New York, Dallas, San Francisco, are all in the top 10, like squarely in the top 10 for me. 
Uh, Giants is the lowest of those, but they have some absolute game wreckers in that in that uh, D line. The offensive line and particularly the interior offensive line for this Cardinals team looks like a problem. And you have Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon under duress from interior pressure. I just I don't see any way that this offense gets going um, until week six at the Rams at the earliest. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at is these plus, you know, these plus numbers in the top half of the schedule here. They're going one way. And it's they're they're going to be bigger. And we're gonna. I, I think the, the the early arc of the Cardinals yeah, season Dallas is, might be a teaser leg because it's sitting at eight. The 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 early arc of the season, Andy, is going to be. We need to find the bottom. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Like I, you know, this team is power rated something like. Let me let me look at unpredictable because I want to know what they say market number is right now. They have Arizona 32nd, six and a half points worse than an average team on a neutral. I w- I'm, I'm going to speculate that by the time we get to week four, the unpredictable number for the Cardinals generic points is double digits. What do you think about that prediction? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to how this offensive line plays with, with the quarterback they're putting up. But, man, just the camp stuff I've seen. And truthfully, one of the most sickening things I've seen is um, people posting clips of Minnesota receivers. Like, oh my God, Jordan Addison is him. Like, hey, <laughs> yes. Like, oh. there there was one clip where Buda Baker was featured. I'll give it that. But it's like, hey, you're playing against a Cardinals secondary in a fucking scrimmage practice yeah. here. Like, Katrell Clark's not making a roster on any other in any other city. Yeah, I'm like that doesn't that doesn't count. I mean, no. and it's you know it's not mutually exclusive. Like Addison probably is a good receiver. He can be a good receiver, but it's like let's not do this. Come on, yeah. it's the Cardinals. So, yeah, um, I, I just the defense will be very very bad, and the the X factor between this being like a minus I don't know minus ten in the power ratings, and I guess do you and, think I'm I'm way off is, base? No, I, th- I think the difference once we get through that first quarter of the season is how did whatever one of these three quarterbacks who are all, you know, replacement level or worse play behind kind of a re, you know, reconfigured offensive line. If it's bottom five, then yeah, it's a double digit negative power rating. If it's, if they played okay, that can bring this team to be competitive against the Giants at home, to be competitive maybe against Washington, maybe later against the Rams and some of these, you know, games. But it's uh, it's still, you know, if, if it's bottom five and we just see, you know, like Sam Howell tear this team apart, if we see Daniel Jones just have his way with him on the ground and in the air, it's, it's going to be a quick downgrade. Okay. All right. Well, um, we'll see what they look like. Uh, oh, God. Do you want to look at the odds? Yeah, let's. Oh, Jesus. Good job, Dan. <laughs> the bag of shame. Um, <laughs> the Cardinals are 180 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Um, I would probably need something in the ballpark of 180,000, I think. Um, NFC 85 to 1. NFC West 27 to 1. This is the biggest gap on paper between two teams in a division that I have in all of football uh, between the Niners and the Cardinals, and they have to play each other twice. Um, yes, no playoffs. Yes is just under 10 to 1. No is minus 2200. Win total <clears throat> is at four and a half, juiced to the under. Don't know how we're getting to four as we have covered um, the fact that Kyler Murray could come back early and who the heck knows it just, you know, he does have a pulse um, and we don't really know what to expect with Drew Petzing uh, has kept me away from playing him, uh, you know, uh, 0-17 kind of a prop for these guys, but we could be talking about that in December. It's entirely possible. This is a tough schedule. Yeah. No, the getting above four and a half is Kyler Murray's back in like week five. Yeah. And they're able to win some coin flips because maybe he he makes things happen. We we put you know we have someone up there who's not 
throwing out four wide receivers just to four throw out four wide receivers and then do stupid things with them. You know, that we could have somewhat of a semi-competent offense, which what I still believe is very good quarterback when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you get to five wins. It has to be him coming back, you know, prior to like week five, six, seven in there. I see in articles like months ago, just like he's he's targeting week one. It's like, no, that's that's awful. That's that's, mm-hmm. that's awful aggressive. That's like eight months. I'm just not quite need it. It's kind of nine is that baseline. You need nine for an ACL, probably a little more. So that that's your your X factors probably when he comes back to even sniff it. If you, you know, if you get wind that they're just shutting him down, try to find some markets that are still open, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't think that happens. There's just no daylight at the end of the season. Like, like the easiest game in your final quarter of the season, I guess is at Chicago. Um, otherwise you're home for San Francisco, Seattle, and you're at Philly. I mean, that Philly spread by the time we get there could be, you know, a bunch. 14. Gannon wouldn't, revenge wouldn't game, though. Um, um, oh, Stake and revenge game worked out last night. No, it sure did. Um, I don't think Philadelphia is going to play that. If Philadelphia sure, starts their threes. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Range of outcomes, nothing good. Betting plan, uh, unders, unders, unders. I like the, I already played the under for week one against the, yeah, the range of outcomes. Commanders. Is like zero, zero to six. Zero to six. Like the, six um, is. Kyler Murray comes back early and wins the coin flips. Within the range of outcomes is this team does not score an offensive touchdown until week six. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know, but it's me. If it's Colt McCoy out there running for his life, I don't know, man. There's been some bad, I mean, there's been some pretty bad freaking clips from camp. The Cardinals are on record that they're going to run James Conner into the ground, Andy. I don't love that either. Marquise Brown looks he's, lost. He's good. Um, I like James Conner, but yeah, the, the depth there too. It's they have Corey Clement, Did, I think. Corey Clement's RB three. Keontae Ingram oh, Keontae is Ingram. Uh, RB two. He's, he's like a fifth. He's, he's like a fifth round pick from a year or two ago. I don't know, man. Did they just trade for Josh Dobbs? Did that happen? Yeah. Or am I that no, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, is he live to start week I, one? Well, that's why I asked somebody. Did you that. say that? Did you just say I that? Said, yeah, oh. no, I, I asked why well, I asked oh. that yesterday. I'm like, Jesus, because you know, I, I saw him play a little preseason, I saw some last year with Titans. I'm like, oh, he's probably better. Like, the, his the hang up is he hasn't been in camp. If they'd have traded for him pre camp, he probably is QB1 in this team right now. Wow, I, I just uh, it's it's too late. Not gonna get a not gonna get a you know preseason action unless they throw them out there against Minnesota. I don't know, we'll see. I mean, I think they must know the commander's defense is gonna kill Colt McCoy, and then the uh, we just the, yeah we just need volume. The, the need Dallas defense, the Dallas defense is gonna end Clayton Tune's season, so you're gonna need a warm body to start that San Francisco game, and I guess it's gonna be Josh Dobbs. Jeez, man, this is brutal. All right. Let's put a bow on them. We'll come back next year and see how you did. Yeah. Betting plan. Don't we'll check. We'll, we'll check in with you in 2024, Cardinals. 